Welcome to a special episode of the Advanced Training Podcast. Why is it special? Well, not only are we going to interview the 2020 Tough Man champ, Joe Trunzo, but at the end, we've decided to include some raw footage of Joe Morechko interviewing several of the other competitors to get their feedback on how they thought the day went and what they're going to fix for next year. Without further ado, here we go. All right, we are here with Joe Trunzo, the 2020 Tough Man champion and currently the world record holder for the quickest Tough Man time ever with a, a time of 58.62 seconds. Congratulations, Joe Trunzo. Uh, thank you, Coach. It's got a nice ring to it, finally, the, uh, to hear Tough Man chant before my name. It's been, it's been a couple of years in the making now, so uh, it's nice to hear someone say it. Now, you, you lost last year uh, by the skin of your teeth. You made a vow. Did yeah. you make a vow that day that you were going to win it this year? Uh, I made a vow. So I made a vow that day that I wasn't going to lose it again. Um, so And so that's not trying to be disrespectful to Sarno at all, who beat me two years ago. But I think even he would agree that I kind of lost it two years ago by trying to be cute on my last uh, my last slider attempt. And, you know, everyone knows the story. We don't have to get into it. Uh, and, you know, I think I I. I shortchanged myself by doing that and it, and it cost me. So I made a vow that I wasn't going to lose it again. Just, I was going to put out my best effort. We were going to go, you know, we were going to go whistle to whistle. We were going to give our best shot. Um, I think when I became confident that I was actually going to win, uh, I sent you a text message. If you remember, because, so let's take it a step back in 2019, when I was on my honeymoon uh, in 2018, I sent you a text saying I will win the challenge in 2019. Um, we all kind of laughed it off. It was a year, it was a year away, but I put my mind to that, uh, won, won the challenge. So I kind of, I didn't want to ruin my perfect prediction record. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till I really, really feel like I've got this to tell coach that I'm going to win tough man, or maybe just not even tell him at all. If I'm not confident. Cause again, I didn't, I didn't want to soil my, my, my perfect record. But, uh, I think it was like January when I realized, uh, I had changed my training up a little bit. I felt a lot better about certain things that I didn't feel very good about the prior two years. And I sent you that message in confidence, knowing that, you know, months down the road, it would come back, but sent you a message in confidence. I think it was in January saying, Hey, I, I think I got this. And, you know, here we are. So. Now, before we get into your training, I got to ask, cause people are going to ask, it's, it's a stupid competition. Uh, nobody cares. Why do, <laughs> I, I why do you care so much? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Right. So first of all, nothing that you do is stupid. There's no such thing as you doing something stupid or meaningless or inconsequential. There's no, there's no such thing as that in life, right? Like if you, if you dedicate time and you invest time into something, that thing by definition should be worthwhile. Otherwise you're wasting your time. Go find something else to do that you, that is actually meaningful to you. Right. So the fact that I am in the competition is why it is meaningful to me, just from a from a ground level, right? Like I am involved in a competition. That thing becomes the most important thing to me while while I'm engaged in it. So that right off the bat, there's that. And then secondly, is just as as men, I think we can all attest to this that there's men men are competitive, especially when it comes to physical fitness. We're competitive animals. That, that's why we show up. That's why we're there at five in the morning, you know, six in the morning, whatever times we're out training. That's why we're there. We're competitive animals. Uh, I did not, I would not lose. I did not want to lose. Um, put my mind to that. And then to take it even a step further back, it's, 
and I, this is where people can say, oh, this is crazy. This is stupid. It's like when you look at the athletes that have come through your program, you know, you can go on the advanced, tra advanced training website, look at the list of athletes. There's been some pro athletes never putting myself in that caliber. I'm, that's not what I'm trying to do. There's been some pro athletes who trained a lot of college guys um, to have your name on a list of somebody who won something and accomplished something in a program with athletes of that level is meaningful. And to me, it's always been meaningful to, to see where I rank with elite guys that frankly, I consider better than me athletically. Um, that was something that I really wanted to achieve just to prove it to myself and to just see where I stacked up with that level of competition. It's not just the 2020 competition that you're competing against. It's, I mean, I think your records go back to 2009, at least with this format, it's maybe not 2009, it's 2015 or, or, or somewhere around there. But that, that's why it's so important is if I'm going to go out with 12 guys, I want to be the best. If I'm going to go out with 200 guys, I want to be the best. If I'm going to go out with two guys. I want to be the best. And if you're not bringing that mentality to your training, you've got to rethink why you're out there. If you, if you're out there to, it's, it's an, I don't I don't remember who told me, but there's a thing. I mean, you're either spending time or you're investing time. If you're spending time, find something else to do. If you're investing time, then your, your investments are supposed to pay off. And I'm out there to have it pay off. I also like that you said that you're not just competing against the, the guys in 2020. Now that we have the standardized format since 2015, you literally are competing against Ryan Smith, who went in 2015. He's not there, but you're competing against him. Right. That's, exa that's exactly right. And, and Smith makes sure that you know that, too. So uh, <laughs> good. You know, and, and, that's, and that's motivation, right? You, know, you want to look back and say, hey, you know, this guy four years ago did this. This guy five years ago did that. Um, you know, you can even go with the challenge. You can see challenges that happened five, six, seven years ago, which is the beauty of the program to me is you can, you could stack yourself up against historic, you know, it sounds corny to say historic levels of competition, but that's, that's what it is. You know, you can, you can go back five, 10, 12 years and, and see where your time stack up. And that's, that's meaningful. Now, just so people get a better understanding, I, we'll talk, get to your physical preparation in a few minutes, but mentally, sure. what are you doing mentally to prepare for this thing? So mentally, there, there's, there's a lot of things that I, that I do mentally. Um, I, I try to watch film, tough man film throughout the year, but I try not to overload it like too early on. So I'll watch, you know, maybe like once a week. Uh, I watch myself. I watch guys that um, had great overall times to see like a total package. There are also times where I'll just look at a guy, like a single event for a guy where like I've believe it or not, I've watched enough to know like, okay, this guy had a really great event here. Like Joe Moresco has a really great initial push on his prowess. Like I want to watch Joe's initial push. I might not watch the rest of the video, not because I don't think it's worthwhile, but I don't think there's much more else I can learn from it. Um, and so I'll try to do that. Something else that I do is I, I'll listen to you. Believe it or not. I listen. This was like the week of, I listened to your podcast from last year. And I listened to your breakdown of every athlete, even if they were the last place athlete, because I just wanted to see if you said something that I didn't know. Like, I wanted to see if you would say something like, you know, this guy's hands are externally rotated on sliders. Like I knew that, you know, no to avoid. Another thing I picked like a week of the event and I, I told some of the guys, I think I told Sarno and I told Amorosi is pick up the chain as you sit down. A lot of guys don't think of that. I only picked that up because I listened to your podcast two or three times. So just trying to mentally go through it. And of course there's the mental reps. I think everybody does that. You try to visualize it. That's, I don't think that's important, but um, from the mental aspect, 
you have to be prepared. It's, it's unacceptable to be unprepared. That's not just for our tough man competition. That's anything in life. Being unprepared is unacceptable. So I just try to prepare myself to the best, to the best ability that I can. Um, like, I don't think I'm the athlete that Pete Amorosi is a college athlete. I don't think I'm the athlete that Joe Sarno is a college athlete. Um, I don't think I'm the athlete that Pete Baraji is like, I think everyone in the, like, and maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just how I motivate myself. But I look at our roster top to bottom and say, I'm not the athlete that those guys are. So I have to win another way. I have to beat them another way. And that's by being prepared is by being perfect. If I'm not perfect, I can't win. I do believe that. And I, I shared that with a lot of guys going in. I think I told Uske that I told Amorosi that I told Sarno that the only way I can win is by being perfect. If I'm perfect, everybody else has to be perfect to beat me because if they mess up, then I'll beat them but I can't beat them if I mess up. And so that's part of the mental preparation of getting everything down to the inch, to the transition, et cetera. Now, does this mental preparation, does it drive you crazy? Is it insane pressure? Or by the time you go to compete, you feel like you've done this a thousand times, not only in your head, but on the field. Um, I, I do think that it, it gives me comfort. It gives me comfort and it gives me consistency, right? Because I, I approach a lot of things in life the same way. I approach my career the same way. Um, so I, I'm generally always overprepared and I, I always overthink, um, try to, you know, think of the worst possible outcome, the craziest possible outcome, something that'll never happen. Um, I know I probably drive my wife crazy with some of the things like scenarios that I'll try to think through and, and, and get through, but I think I've been doing it for so long now, the whole, like tackling the mental aspect of everything, not just tough man, not just training, not just career that if I didn't do it, I think I would feel worse. So I, I do think that it, it lends a feeling of consistency and comfort to what I'm doing. So why did you wear the same exact outfit from in 2019 and 2020 when you competed? Sure. So actually, um, I, the, the, the outfit changed in a meaningful way that you won't be able to tell on the video. So I just want to get that out of the way first. I have the same pair of blue shorts in mesh and in cotton. Um, two years ago, I wore the mesh shorts and farmer's walk was very, very hard for me when I dried my hands on the mesh shorts, I couldn't really get a good dry. And if you actually watch the the 19 competition, you're yelling at me, fight it, fight it. You can see the weight is almost falling out of my hands by the end of it. So I put on the same pair of shorts in cotton because I felt like that would be more absorb, would be better to absorb the groundwater on my hands from the slider and give me a cleaner grip on the farmer's walk. So look, it, visually, it's the same exact outfit, but I actually made a strategic change to the outfit. But that's that's all part, it, it's all part of the consistency and the comfort. And believe it or not, throughout the year, I actually test, not like, it sounds silly, but like, I'll know like, okay, like I wore, ba- I wore longer basketball shorts on this day and I felt like it impeded this. So I'm not going to wear basketball shorts. If you notice, I'll never compete in a t-shirt. I feel like an actual t-shirt with t-shirt sleeves. Um, it hinders like my shoulder movement. So I, I don't, I, I like being in like a tank top or, or something like that. So the, and again, that's sort of drilling things down to such a minor, minor, tiny detail. But I feel like that's the only way I can approach it. Because again, I feel like if I, if I don't approach it that way, I can't win. So just a quick uh, sidetrack. We talked, you had sent me something saying like, I watch film. One thing I'm going to try and do is not dry off my hands. Yeah. And then I feel like everybody just does it as a reaction. So today yeah. at our training session, which you weren't able to get to for different reasons, but yeah. I made a conscious effort to go from slider to farmer's walk without drying off my hands. How did and, that go? Uh, 
it went really well, actually. I thought it was going to just slip out, and, and we yeah. did more than test weight today. So we did it like uh, maybe 10 pounds more than the test day. Yeah. And it, it did not slip out. So I highly recommend you experiment with that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I going in, I, I wanted to. I think I told you I was going to, but I was a little thrown off by how moist the ground was. It, 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 I mean, it rained the whole night before it probably stopped raining like two or three hours before the competition. Uh, so I, I was like, you know what? You, you've done it historically. Just just do it. I, I tried not to lose time doing it. I tried to like rub the back of my my shorts as I was moving rather than I think two years ago, like I kind of rubbed it right before I got to the, the apparatus. And so maybe lost some, a split second there. So I tried to be better. I was conscious about being better at it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely like a time loss and I, it's something I got to experiment. I'm glad you did, but it's, it's something I've, I've got to experiment with for sure. And there, there's a lot of things like, I mean, there's, there's always room for improvement, right? So, so uh, I'm going to get back to that too. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about mental games too. Why'd yeah. you get there? You got there before me. I was getting there early to have it set up by the time you guys started. What made you get there so early? Yeah. So I, I got there. So there's a couple of reasons behind it, right? So the first reason I got there early is because I wanted to test the field. So like I brought my own sliders, um, wanted to see just how wet it was. Uh, wanted to make sure that I was comfortable with the conditions. Wanted to kind of I, like I didn't want the first time I hit the ground to be, you know, hey, you know, Trungle, you're up in five minutes. I wanted to make sure that I was there to just get acclimated to the field, get comfortable, um, you know, work out the kinks, get a good, a good active stretch. Um, and then another thing, I'm not ashamed to admit it, and I told you this, and I'll tell anybody else that I think there's a mental edge with being the first guy there. Like I wanted everyone to show up and see that I was there and wonder how long I had been there and. I think that there's, there's something to that. It's, you, you know, you always want to be first, you know, I, I would hate to have pulled up in the parking lot and saw, you know, Uske or Moresco or Carp or whoever was competing that day out on the field before me, I would have been like, ah, oh, man, like this guy's taking it serious. This, this guy's ready. Like he's, he's out there. He's, he's ready. Um, and so I, I wanted to be that guy. And so that's why I was there as early as I was. Now, what made you go the second day? Same exact message you wanted to send, or you just wanted to see what was going on on day two of the competition? Well, it was, it was twofold. So, you know, I, I felt like it would have been disrespectful to the guys in the competition if I didn't show up the second day, because theoretically, even though my time was very fast, there were guys who could have beaten my time at a slot where I could have gone again. So I felt like I had to show up because it would have been disrespectful to them. It would basically tell them like, you know, I don't think any, any of you guys one through six can beat my time. And I didn't want to put that, that forward. Um, I also did it because believe it or not, I was actually considering going again, um, depending on the field conditions. I knew my time was really good, but I thought there might've been a chance that Sarno could beat it with a perfect run. So I was like, I was, I was texting you the night before whether or not I, I should go and maybe I should go and change this or go and change that. Um, I don't think I ever really was, was ready to go again, but I, I toyed with the idea of going again. Uh, and the, the the third one was, yeah, like I wanted folks to see just how how serious I was taking it. Like, yeah, I went I went on Saturday. I'm here again at five thirty on Monday. Um, I'm I'm bluffing you that I might go run this thing again, even though I just set the <laughs> fastest time in history. You you might think I'm crazy enough to go again. So, yeah, there's it's all of it. All of it was it, I'd be lying if I told you all of that didn't wrap into why I was there on Monday morning. So you go to this level to beat your competitors. But at the same time, you just said, I'm telling guys that they should uh, sit on the bucket and pull the chain at the same time. I hear you constantly coaching guys up. Even during the event, you're coaching them up. Why are you so willing to help everybody else? Um, it's, it, it's a great question. Um, I feel like I owe that to the competition. I feel like I owe that to you also in a way because 
you've always done that for me. And I'm part of your program. I'm an older guy. I'm 33 years old. Uh, there's a lot of younger guys in the program. So I feel like I should give back to them the same that you gave to me. Um, also, you can, you can pull nearly every single one of the guys that we train with. Maybe not the newer guys who haven't been around me yet for as long, but I've probably asked every single guy in our training group, a ridiculous question related to training and they've, their answer has helped me. So I feel like I owe them back to help them. And so, you know, like you can see, like when Uske was doing his, um, his sliders, I told him that I would call out when his feet were there so that way he could try to pop up early, right. shave a couple seconds off. I did the same, I did the same thing for Sarno. I was out there with Sarno the day before the competition trying to help him with, with his get-offs from sliders. And he was doing the same for me. It wasn't a one-way thing at all. But we were out there together like, hey, I think you can shave off a little bit of time if you pop off your, pop up off your slider this way. Or if you're going from the left, you could grab the farmer's walk this. Like, we, like it, was, it was a bit to help one another. I also told Amorosi before the competition, like, hey, Pete, I think you can pick up time on your sliders if you started it the way that I started it a little bit before the line so you can kind of get that running start. And I, to me, that was a breakthrough. No one in the competition had ever done that. And I was willingly sharing it with guys in the group. Um, I didn't like hoard it for myself as this time-saving tactic. I mean, ultimately, it's fun to see how low the time can go. I mean, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I want to win every time I go out. But, you know, if I set a time that's, that's crazy fast and somebody else sets a time that's faster than mine and they can say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm glad I was out there training with Trunzo because he – he pushed me to get that better time. He pushed me to be perfect. That's something that I told, uh, you know, I won't say who it is, but one of the guys in the group that I'm his accountability coach, I told him, I'm always going to push you to be perfect. And if, 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 if you're not perfect, you're not going to be better than me. So you better be perfect. And that's, that's another reason why, why I do it. And, um, you know, to get, to get back to what, what you bring to the table, you know, your, your job and you, you do a great job at it. And this is how I approach training. And a couple, we've talked about this as a group. I think we all sort of agree is your job is just bringing us together and, and getting us there. It's not your job really as a coach to make us better. It's our job to make each other better. We have to push each other to be better. I don't want to show up at 5.15 in the morning and think like these guys don't want to get better or I can't help these guys get better. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show up, shut up, train myself, walk in the car and go home. Like if I'm out there and we're training as a group, I feel like it's incumbent on me. I, it's my job to help everyone in that group be better. And again, if that's, if you show up with a different mindset, I don't think you're going to last long in our program. We're a vocal program. Guys are yelling at each other. Guys are upset with each other. Guys will get on your back if you're dogging something. Um, so, you know, if that's how we're going to approach every training session, where we're all going to push everybody at every session to be better, I would be cheating the program if I wasn't trying to make people better in a, in, even in a competitive aspect where making them better might make them better than me. I like, that's not important to me. I want to like, if I'm going to beat you, I want to beat you at your best. I want, I want everybody I compete against to be at their best, to be the best. And I think that's probably the best explanation for why I do it. But you hit on so many awesome things there. First of all, I love that you want to beat that person at their best. I also yeah. love that you, you kind of make it seem like the things like a the advanced training is like a big living organism, which I guess it kind of is right. Nobody yeah. really goes in, punches the clock and leaves. So we all get better or worse as a unit. And yeah. So I, I, let's let's talk about this this you versus Sarno type thing. To me, iron yeah. sharpens iron. He he sets yeah. a new world record this year. You set a new world. Sorry, last year you set a new world record this year. Are you guys like uh, Brady and Manning? Like Brady beats the uh, all time touchdown record, then Manning beats, and they go back and forth. Like, what is your relationship like? How would you define it? 
Yeah. So uh, I think Brady and Manning is a good one. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to, to what analogy I think is, is maybe better after I talk about our relationship. So um, Joe, Joe and I have a great relationship. Um, it's actually interesting. And I, this isn't the first that he'll hear it. When I first came back to advanced training in 2018, I had just moved back from, from North Carolina after spending a bunch of years down there. Um, Joe was a guy that I just sort of tolerated at training. I didn't, I didn't dislike him, but he wasn't one of the guys that I imagined I would forge a friendship with or any type of meaningful relationship with. Like I knew like, you know, Pete Amorosi, we had a little bit of a history of, of like, a, we knew each other. Well, we were friends or more acquaintances, but then, you know, our Pete and my friendship has grown since I've come back. I, and I knew that was going to happen. I knew I would, I would, you know, grow a friendship with Uske. Uh, me and Moresco have always been friends. I knew that that relationship would grow. I sort of saw, I sort of saw Joe as like abrasive. He was a little immature. Um, you know, he, he would show up late. He would no show. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, you know, this guy's, this guy's a dude, you know, he's, he's, he's clearly a great competitor. He's a tough guy, but I just, I just thought, I don't know if it was a, a generational gap or an age gap. I just never thought we would be friends, which is not a problem. You don't need to be friends with everybody you train with. Um, you just need to respect one another. I respected him. I felt he respected me. So I was, I was okay with that. Um, but since it's like, I, and I, I told you this coach and I, I, I think that it's, it's attributable to you. Something changed in the past. Like, I don't know, but something changed where Joe's attitude, his mature, I think he just, maybe he just grew up or maybe I, I, I don't think that's what happened. I think that you wore off on him. A lot of your good traits got passed on to him with the business that he's growing. So it, it went from a, like, I don't really love this guy, but I have to train with him to, Hey, like I, I like this guy. He's, he's coming around his, his viewpoints on things. I like talking to him. I like sharing things with him where now I actually do consider Joe a friend um, where I didn't think, you know, two years ago, I never would have thought so. And that friendship has, it, I think it actually has made both of us better because we do, we talk nearly every day. And we, when we're talking, it's, it's really like training tips. And so if we, like, I, you know, like if I wasn't, if we never became friendly, I wouldn't have that opportunity to pass information to him. He wouldn't have that opportunity to pass information to me. We there's a, there's been times that we've been out on the field together, actually training together us two. And so that would never happen. And so I think the friendship actually fueled the head to head competitive aspect even more because we were not just competing against each other in some vacuum. We were competing against each other, but also sharing things to make each other better, like personal things. And so the way I look at it in terms of an analogy, Brady and Manning is, is a good one. Just when, when you look at the past couple of years of like trading, trading wins back and forth. Well, I, I envision our relationship as like, I'm this, you know, old veteran, you know, who's been in, you know, use the NFL as an analogy, like a guy who's been in the NFL for eight or 10 years. And, you know, I, I see the sunset on the horizon for me and Joe's this first round draft pick that everybody expects to, you know, break records and, and go through the moon. And it's my job a to make sure that he reaches his potential and try my best to help him reach his potential. And that's not just with training. That's with his, his goals and his mission outside of training, which I hope that he considers my friendship helping. But at the same time, as that old vet, it's my job to get under his skin and, and make him uncomfortable and push him and, you know, say things he doesn't like. And, and frankly, and to beat him at certain things, to remind him that, you know, there's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, it's not going to be something that you're just able to show up at and be great at. If you want to be great at it, you better be working as hard as I am because I'm working that hard.
Now, what did he say to you? You were kind of AWOL for a while with COVID. A lot of people were. Didn't he say something to get underneath your skin uh, right before you came back? Yeah. So uh, it was July 3rd was the first session that I like officially came back to for advanced training. I had gone to a few sprints, I think. Um, but, you know, you were you were closed. You were not closed, but you had done like isolated sessions for a while. Um, and so I showed back up and Sarno greeted me with something along the lines of like, I'm so glad that you're back. I was waiting for somebody to step up to finish second and tough me. And so I, I kind of chuckled a little bit and said, Hey, look, you know, you know, I never would have came back if I, if I was coming back to finish second, which is, I think the right mentality to have. And, you know, I don't know, he could tell you, I don't know if he, if he actually meant what he said, or if he just said it to get under my skin or, or not, or to motivate me, or maybe a, a little bit of all of the above, maybe because he's a confident guy. He probably did it, rightfully so feel like he was going to beat me. So, um, but you know, that, that lit a fire in me. I think I texted you that not, I, I know I texted you that day and said, Sarno said this to me today, like, it's my goal to make him meet his words now. And, you know, let, like, let's go. We're, we're back. Let's go. Now, <laughs> but now, was, well, there was something else that also made you come back, right? Again, you're, you're AWOL. Uh, Sarno makes this comment. But didn't something else happen where maybe clothes didn't fit you the right way? Yeah, Kinda... that's, that's, that's exactly right. So it was, Ju- it was June 19th. I had to give a presentation to all of North America for the, the company that I work for. And so it was a zoom thing on video. So I needed to put on work clothes. You know, I couldn't do the normal, like, you know, hoodie and and shorts that I do most days. And, um, I couldn't get my dress shirts to fit over my gut. Uh, and I was like, and you know, it's, I felt like I had been training and dieting correctly up to that point, but that was like a big red flag that something was wrong with the, the training methods that I had, that I had incorporated during quarantine up to that point. So I got on the scale and guys that have heard me talk, you know, I've around Christmas time, I was like 178. Um, you know, I, when I compete, I'm normally like somewhere between 183 and 186. When I say compete, I mean like throughout the tough man season and for tough man, I'm usually like 183, 185 around there. Uh, I got on the scale. I was 194.7, um, which is, that's as big as I've been since I was maybe 20 years old. Right. So um, I, and then, so I, that was that, that was that day. And I texted, I actually texted Sarno and said like, you're never going to believe this man. Like I got on the scale, I'm 195 pounds. And he's like, what have you been, he's like, have you just been eating donuts all day? Like what the hell's going on? So then I, I tried to go out for a training session with Baraji and Gerald Amorosi. They were training out on the field a couple of days after this is probably like, you know, June 22nd. I went out there with Gerald and Pete and, uh, they blew me away. They, they like smoked me. I was so gassed. I could barely even make it through the session. It was like a, a like a, 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 a sandbag drag and, and pull-ups. Um, there was some sprinting involved and, and uh, like band presses. And I was gassed. They, they, they like ran me into the ground. And I was like, all right, like something's, something's got to change here. Um, and so believe it or not, and I know I, I know I keep going back to like my relationship and friendship with Joe. I reached out to Joe who had, who has given me, um, you know, he's programmed for me in the past with, uh, with strength work and, and stuff like that. And so I reached out to Joe and said, Hey man, I'm about to start this program that he and I stumbled upon a few years ago, uh, with 10,000 kettlebell swings. And he was like, man, like you're, you're crazy. Like, but Hey, like let's fine tune it. So we made some tweaks to, to that program, um, to get some interim strength work in there, not just the swings. And then it was almost like a perfect storm because a few, a few days later, 
you sent out a text message saying, hey, we're going back to, you know, full kind of normal advanced training. It's not going to be these, these more isolated sessions anymore. And you called me out by name. I don't know if you remember that. You actually called me out. You wrote in our group, like, Tronzo, like, put your kid to bed earlier and get there. Like, get there. And I kind of saw that. Well, I and had a, yeah. And, I, you know, you, and I don't know if you did it because you knew it was going to light a fire or if you just annoyed that I wasn't showing up for a while. And so I said, you know what? Like, clearly the training that I've been doing on my own is not working. Um, and I didn't, I, don't, I didn't know why, really. Maybe I was just getting comfortable or getting complacent. And so I completely changed my, my day-to-day workout at that point. And I showed back up to that session that, that you had and, you know, hadn't missed the session from that initial session to our tough man, you know, until today where I threw my back out, so whatever it was injury, but you know, I, I, I needed to be back. And it was, like I said, those three things, the shirt, not fitting, getting smoked by Baraji and Gerald and you calling me out to come back is like, it all happened within like six or seven days. And it was, it, you know, it, the, the chips couldn't have fallen any better. I don't think. Well, if you, if you remember, there were like maybe two times before that we were having socially distant workouts. You said, I'm definitely coming. And then the morning of, I'm out. I can't yeah. come. Yeah. And I was like, this is very on Trunzo-like. Granted, I know you got a, a, a kid. You got a baby. Uh, yeah. It's coronavirus. Yeah. Sleep is yeah. a premium. So we understood. But I felt I, I had to at least throw something out there yeah. to get the guy who's proclaiming he's going to be the champ back. And when you came back, you did, I, I was like, man, he lost a step. I, it was noticeable. I was thinking it in my head, like, yeah. he lost a step. He's got to pick this. So how the hell – I know I know Sarno gave you – you know, he tweaked the workout with you. What else did you do to adjust your training to get ready for this event? Yeah, so I, I, I kind of cut things out that I didn't think were important, and I added things that I thought were important. So I, I'm, I'm a big push-up, push pull-up guy. Um, you know, most Mondays my training would be 400 push-ups, 200 pull-ups. Um, usually I'll do it for time. I'll try to like beat my time, but I completely eliminated push-ups and pull-ups because I felt like there was nothing more I can gain from them towards tough men. Um, I added a lot more anti-rotational work. I added a lot more core work. I feel like that's the most important thing in our competition. And literally every, every movement in our competition is in some way core, core related. So I, I started doing more of that work. What I think was most important was and I, I actually implemented this before quarantine, lost the step a little bit during quarantine. I, I kind of stopped doing it, but then I started doing it again. Was I trained my shoulders to fatigue? I didn't train my shoulders like sets times reps. I just trained shoulders until you know I needed to throw up. And I think that that was evident on my last set of sliders. And that's why I did it because my last set of sliders is usually very slow. And to me, at that point, if you're slow on your last set of of, of sliders. It's probably not an issue with your slider or an issue with your core. Like if it's slow compared to your first one, it's probably because your shoulders are struggling to support your body weight at that point. You're out of breath. Your shoulders are probably gassed and burning. And so I decided I was going to train shoulders to, to fatigue. So I think that was very helpful um, for leg days, um, not leg days, but as additional stress on legs to prepare myself for the prowler. There were days when I'd get on my stationary bike, I'd put the resistance up to like 90 or a hundred, uh, some days a hundred. And I would essentially sprint for 20 seconds. Cause in my brain back, forth, back, high, low, high, you're going to go about 20 seconds. So that was to, for preparation. If it was a dry field, um, that kind of helped me simulate that. And also just helped me say, Hey, for 20 seconds, I need to drive my legs and I got to drive my legs. Like there's no tomorrow. And so we, we, we started, I say we, because I, 
I talk to several guys in my group about these things, but so I don't want you guys to think I'm one of those guys that refer to myself as we, um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I started, started doing, doing more of that. Um, and you know, I, I think the last week leading up to it, you know, it's no, no surprise to anybody that I was doing the kettlebell swings as my, my main workout, but I stopped doing sets times reps. And instead I started doing one minute all outs, just however many swings I could get in a minute. And in, I don't know that it was directly transferable. Uh, I know you told me that you didn't think it was physically, but maybe mentally you, you stood behind it. Cause I ran it by you and asked you what you thought. I think I also told Baraji about it as well. Um, where to me, it was like, okay, I know that to, to, to win the tough man, I've got to go balls to the wall for a, a minute, maybe less, maybe more. It uh, turned out to be less. And so I wanted my body to be prepared for the fact that for one full minute, you've got to go max effort. There's no, you know, oh, I'm going to do 25 kettlebell swings. It took me 32 seconds. And in my brain, it was like, all right, my body's programmed then that I got to go in 32 second bursts. And I didn't want that. I wanted my body to be prepared for the fact that I needed a 60 second burst. And so the whole, it wouldn't be the week leading up to it. It was the week before the week leading up to it. Because the week leading up to it, I pretty much take his rest. But the week before the week leading up to it, all my kettlebell work was done that way. It was a minute on and then 30 seconds off, then a minute on, 30 seconds off, and just blasting for a minute just to have my my body and my brain prepared for that one minute of all out. Now, you hit, you, you basically had, well, you didn't basically had, you absolutely had the best run ever. I'd say it's as close to perfection as you can get. Do you think you can still tr- trim more time off? I do. I think, I think there's a lot of guys in the program that have more time to trim off than I do. Um, and I mean, that's, that's a given when you look at the times, right? Like that's, that's probably a dumb thing to say, but I think there are guys who can really, really lower their time, probably even lower than mine. If they correct certain things. Um, I, there are a few things that I can think of right off the bat that I could um, improve my time. My first slider. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened. I, I, I think I, when I time it on a stopwatch, I think I, I lost 1.2 seconds by going way too far. So that was, that was a little ridiculous. So that's 1.2 seconds that I could probably shave off right there. Um, another thing is if you actually look, and you and I discussed this, if you actually look at my chain pull and you don't pay attention, you say, okay, he didn't miss any hands. It was perfect. He, he, he grabbed every one. But my last two pulls, I actually missed. And I somehow, I miss it and then like catch it at the bottom. Both times, two times in a row. Um, so, you know, that, that cost me a little bit because I didn't get as big of pulls as I should have, because it wasn't a full pull. My arm fully extended. I kind of caught it midway without letting the chain hit the ground. So I probably lost some time there. Um, I think I could believe it or not. And I know a lot of guys don't talk about this. I think I could run faster with the farmer's walk in my hands. I know some guys, they, they, they take it slow, me included. I take it kind of slow. I think that's maybe just because usually when you think of a farmer's walk, it's like, you know, time under tension, you're trying to, and maybe your brain's not programmed to just sprint like hell with that thing in your hand. But I think all of us actually in the program could just, just sprint with it in your hand, just run as fast as you can. I, I don't think I run as fast as I can for some reason when the farmer's walks in my hand. So that's another one. And then um, I think actually, if you, if you look at the film too, and you, you, you zoom in on my feet on my last sliders, I was like a frog's hair away from losing both of them. And I actually felt it as I was going because I felt my, my cleats catching the ground just a little bit. And so that catching of the ground probably created some friction that slowed me down by, I don't know, 10th of a second or two tenths of a second. So I, I do think there's, I do think there's time for me to shave. Um, I do think there's, you know, 
I don't think I could stop it any faster, you know, any closer to the line or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that's possible, but you know, there, there's always time. How are you going to change your training to get that, those extra couple of seconds off? What are you going to do differently? Um, you know, I'll be honest, coach. I haven't really thought about it yet. I mean, I'm going to watch a lot of film and I'm going to try to just be more prepared, you know, try to be better at knowing where to stop for the slider. I think that's my own fault. Um, but really, I think it's more mental. The things that I want to get better at are more mental than physical. So I think it's just a lot of film. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was kind of watching it as you're, you're talking me through it. I don't know if you're also watching the video, but it's pretty sick that you actually remembered every minute, <laughs> minute detail of what you can fix. Were you yeah. watching it or are you just coming off? The no, no, I, I've, just, I've just watched it so many times since that day. <laughs> so last year you lose to Sarno by like two tenths of a second mostly because you did not just go full body through with the sliders. You said people know the story. Some people, maybe they don't know the story. Uh, you know, you guys are basically at the same exact time. You don't go through the end line and it was a stinging, stinging loss. Yeah. Was the, was the hurt of that loss uh, worse than the glory of your win this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it took, it took me a very long time to be okay with that loss just because when it boils down to it, I lost cause I didn't, I didn't believe that I could win. That's why I lost. I tried to take a shortcut at the end because I didn't think I was good enough to win on my own. So that's what bothered me the most, I think, about that loss. Um, the win, it felt good. It kind of felt like I was I was righting a wrong in a way. Um, and so that was – the win felt good, but I just felt like, okay, you won. Now we got to get back to work. Whereas last year, the, it was kind of crushing for a while, and it, it drove me to madness to, to, to work harder. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I do think it, the, the hurt of the loss was worse. Now in general, in your life, is it easier for you to motivate yourself after a loss? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that parades around after a win. I, you know, I felt great after the tough man for like a couple hours, but like I said, back to work. Um, lo yeah. Losing, losing kills me. I can't lose. And, and what about you being ranked third coming in? Did you think you deserved that? Or was that also bullets and board material? Um, believe it or not, I, I deserved it. Um, and, and I used, I used being ranked third to motivate myself, but I didn't, not in the way you would think. I didn't say like, oh, these guys ranked me third. Like I've deserved better. I actually turned it around to myself and said, you deserve to be ranked third. You missed a lot of sessions. You, you showed up a little bit out of shape. You deserve the ranking that they gave you. And I kind of used it to like beat myself down. And, um, so I use it as motivation, but not in a way that most guys would like, I'm going to show these guys. It was like, no, no, no. You deserve everything that you got. And now you need to go out there and fix it and change it. And that's how I used it. Okay. So now, now you're the world record holder. You're the champ. You got the arrow on your back. Are you worried about other people having bulletin board material on you? Um, so I think, I think they, sh they should have bulletin board material on me in the, in the context of they should post that number on their bulletin board and have that be the number that they aim for. Um, but be, beyond that, I, you know, I hope not because I, frankly, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to not give it to them. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be out there uh, trashing guys or, or, or talking down at guys, but um, I hope that they do take the number and, and think through that number for 365 days. Cause that's going to be a hard number to beat. And, you know, I, I will be a little less humble now uh, at this point of it. That's going to be a very, very hard number to beat. They, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be perfect to beat that number. And if you're not going to show up and be perfect, you're not going to beat it. And if you're not going to figure out your mistakes and work to beat your mistakes instead of running away from your mistakes, you will not beat that number. 
And that goes for any guy in the program. That goes for Amorosi. That goes for Eppinger. That goes for Derrida. That goes for Baraji. That goes for, it goes for anybody. That's not an easy time to beat. So if you want your bulletin board material, you got it like 45 minutes into the podcast. Put the number on your board because it's going to take your best shot on your best day after 365 of training to beat it. And I hope you have it in you. That's all. And I'd say that, you know, you think about, we talked about this right afterwards. A lot of guys say a lot of things. And it's every, literally, it's everything you do from right now until the next tough man that's going to define if you win or lose. It's the piece of cheesecake you have. It's the case of beer you have. It's the morning you sleep in. It's everything you do is going to define how you're going to compete. So it already started. We already said it. Tough man 2021, it already started. It started right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's why I said that the sting of the loss is so much more than the, the glory of the victory because the loss sits with you and, and, and it, it eats at you for 365 days. If you want to sit there and gloat on a win for 365 days, you're not going to win very much. So, you know, you've got to – that's why, you know, lo- losing hurts and it should hurt. And guys, guys should hate losing more than they like winning. I don't think I've ever met someone who said, yeah, I just love winning. And when, I, when I lose, you know, when I lose, it doesn't bother me all that much. But I, I really enjoy winning. No such thing. You'll, you'll never find a successful person who thinks that way. Last question. Excluding Sarno, you got to pick one guy. Who's your biggest threat in 2021? So I, I thought about this question, and my mindset is everyone. Because if you don't think of it that way, um, that's when you'll get caught. You need to worry about everybody. Um, who do I think, though, if you, if you put a gun to my head, for lack of a better phrase, and made me pick one guy um, – I would pick Pete Amorosi because I still don't think we've seen Pete's best run. I think you'll, I think you'll probably agree with that. I don't think we've seen Pete's best run. I know Pete was a minute, four seconds, uh, two years ago, which is a damn good time. And I don't think that was his best run this year. He was, he was a minute seven, but he lost a lot of time. He, he had a mental fart and he, you know, he was a minute seven, but he probably was closer to like a minute three, a minute four. Uh, and again, I, I think that I think Pete's a minute three guy, not at his best. Um, so I think if Pete, if Pete could put out his best run after a year of effort, I do think that Pete's probably the guy I would think of. And that's, that's not to take away from any of the other guys in the program. There's a lot of guys in our program coach that you might look at the times and say, ah, you know, that guy's 10 seconds off. That guy's, this guy's 13 seconds off. This guy's, you know, how many seconds off. Those times are very, very misleading. Like you, you look at a guy like Goldman, if Goldman just gets his trans, Goldman could probably save six or seven seconds just on transitions. Yep. He, he, he and I have spoken about that. Um, you know, Baraji, I think Baraji finishes the first 75% of the tough man, probably just as fast as anybody. And I think it's a similar story from Resco where the times might look a little lopsided, but um, ev- everyone's really got a shot. You know, if, if, if Moresco takes a year and saying, I think Moresco and Baraji might have the same problem if they take a year to get into shape and lose, you know, lose some of the body fat, I think that last slider no longer becomes an issue for them where they were posting, you know, 13s or, or high numbers like that. And now all of a sudden everybody's in play. Um, so, you know, the, the real answer is everybody, but I think Pete, Pete at his best is probably the, 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 the next biggest threat. I, I think what we've seen is how the window closes really fast so think about Moresco. He's taken about 30 seconds off his worst time. Uske took yeah. 30 seconds off. You, in 2017, got a minute – sorry, 2018, got a minute and 17 seconds. Now yeah. you're sub one minute. So you, you really can't count anybody out. 
at all. No, you 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 can you, you can make improvements very very fast in this in this competition. Um, I think it's about it's about repetition. It's about repetition week to week throughout the throughout training. It's about repetition and just doing the event a few times. I had this I had this conversation with Pete Baraji um, about you know his first time doing the event and some things he wished he he had done differently and maybe had done a little bit better. So there's there's repetition there, and then. I know it sounds crazy that there's the mental repetitions. I don't think you can discount it. You need to visualize the course. That's what it is. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, we call it a tough man. Some people say strong man, they, you know, they get it wrong. Or, but for lack of a better, better concept, it's, it's an obstacle course. It's an obstacle course that requires not just physical prowess to get through, but mental prowess to get through. How, how am I going to move from here to here? How do I get from A to B as fast as possible? And when you go through that mentally, that will shave the time off as well. Yeah. I, I don't think there's really anybody in the program that's completely, completely out, you know, and that's, that's, and that'll, that'll motivate me for the next 365. And I hope motivates everybody else. All right, man. Well, 2021 tough, man. It's already started. Thank you so much for letting us get inside your head. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, good luck with the 2020 challenge. I know it's a long shot, but it's still a yeah, shot. I, I, yeah. I think I, you know, I, I missed, I missed a few, a few too many of those interim sessions. I think I put myself at a pretty big disadvantage, but uh, you know, I think mathematically I'm still in it. So uh, you know, I got, I, I got to win the next time I'm up. And then I think I probably realistically, I probably need to run the table after that. So it's a long shot, but you, you know, you know me coach, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I, I won't lose due to failure to try. So I'll be out there. We'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, man. Get healthy. I will see you next week. And once again, congratulations. Thank you, Joe. Bye. Thanks, Coach. Take care, guys. Hey, we have Fred Papandieri in. How's everything, Fred? Hey, what's going on, Joe? How are you? What did you say? You're on a fishing trip right now? Yeah, me, my father, and uh, my friend. We're off to Sheepset Bay trying to catch some fluke. Beautiful. Good. Good luck. Well, I just wanted to get you on for a couple minutes quick. Uh, you made your triumphant return to advanced training a few weeks ago. We're happy to have you back. And uh, to, to round out the tough man competition, how do you think you did? What did you think of the whole day? Uh, well, it's just great to see all these guys competing. You know, um, I've seen guys, obviously, that started this program before I did. And to see new guys that came in, um, it's just great to see an atmosphere with a bunch of guys that just want to get better. And I knew exactly what I was getting myself into, obviously, because I'd done it back in 2017 and 2014 when I was going into college. So, you know, it's great to be back. Obviously, I, you know, I love the push. Everyone's trying to get each other better. And I think I did good. Um, I shaved off about 15 to 16 seconds since the last time I did it. And I believe the last time I did it, I was about 220 pounds, maybe 225. So it's good to know that I gained since then about 20 pounds and I was able to shave off more than 15 seconds off the time. I'm definitely not disappointed. I know I could have did better, but, you know, that's just going to excel me for next year and it's going to make me want to do better. So I'm going to use that as motivation. Yeah, you did shave off uh looks like 14 and change in seconds uh you finished in seventh this year with a time of one minute 11 seconds point oh seven um so i wanted to see where you think you actually left seconds on the clock which which part of the event do you think you could have done better in which thing you're going to work on for next year yeah so 
I think uh, going into it, I kind of knew when I did the sliders, I was uh, I was running pretty smooth on the sliders. I knew the farmer's walk was was the easiest thing for me because um, I you know I have a lot of weight on me. So when I pick up that thing and I'm walking, I really don't feel anything. I'm just you know I got the adrenaline going. But I think once I got to the prowler. I kind of underestimated um, the amount of endurance and stamina that you need in order to push that. Because well, going into it, I thought, you know, just having the strength, the Prowler was going to be a walk in the park. But, you know, I haven't training the Prowler as much, obviously, because, you know, I haven't been competing the last couple of years. I took about two years off. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I forgot how much the prowler takes off you. Obviously, you know, I had a couple of weeks to train prior to two or three weeks. Um, but, yeah, that prowler really catches up to you. So I think when I was doing the low handle to the last high handle, that's probably when, you know, I started to feel the fatigue. And I probably slowed down a little bit compared to everyone else. I kind of I looked at the uh, the breakdown of it. I'm pretty sure once I got to the sled pull, I probably was in maybe from fourth to seventh in terms of, you know, that it took to get to the sled pull. But right. you know, I, when I was put when I was pulling the sled, you know, I felt like I could get a good time, but I knew I wasn't going to be in the top three, top four conversation at that point. Yeah, man. And the common theme between everybody I'm talking to is that the prowler is pretty much where fatigue really kicks in. And uh, that's that's what people are going to be working on. What do you think you have to work on most? What what is going to be your goal for next year? What do you think we're going to uh, prepare prepare differently, and how so? Yeah, for me, it's just uh, it's just heavier, <clears throat> more intense training for me. I, I got to lose weight. I know my endurance is is where it's at in that, and I know I have the strength and I have the com- combination of strength and speed, but you know. It's the fatigue and the endurance. When that starts to kick in, I, if I was a little bit, you know, more in shape, I guess you could say, I probably would have been able to probably shave off about five or six seconds on that prowler, the time it took to get to the sled pull from the first prowler push. So, All right. Um, yeah. I think yeah. another team will be uh, Coach Mahoney's going to have a lot of diet advice to give out throughout the uh, program. A lot of guys are talking, including myself, uh, hoping for the same thing to cut it, shed a few pounds, cut up a little bit, and uh, hopefully get faster on those speed picks of the tough man. And uh, but continue to keep the strength and, and build that up, obviously. So, Fred, listen, I appreciate you jumping on here. Good luck with catching fish. We hope to see a lot more during training. You're, you're a, a huge part of this program, you have been in the past, and it's always great having you around. So, it's good talking to you, and I'll see you soon. All right, Joe, happy to talk to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Be good, brother. All right, I am here with James Uske. James, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, handsome. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, doing well. I uh, wanted to get your initial reaction to the tough man. How did you think you did? How do you think the competition was overall? I, uh, yeah, I thought overall everyone did great. It seems most of us beat our previous uh, record highs, which is, you know, always something I guess we're all striving for, right? So, you know, I thought it was great in that respect. And I, I thought, you know, at least the day I was there, the conditions were fine um, and everyone crushed it, you know, and, and I'm proud of, uh, I'm proud Trunzo got his redemption here. He made it a mission to 
finished first this year after that close call last year and and he pulled it off. I thought yeah. I thought from my from my own personal point of view, Joe, I thought you know, my the last time I participated was in 2017 and I beat my uh time by about 30 seconds, so great. I was very happy from a personal standpoint. Um so yeah, so there you go. Great. And even with that, do you feel that you left any seconds on the clock anywhere? Have you watched your uh, your recording yet? Get down. Yeah, you know, I, I watched it quickly. Um, I pretty much played it over in my mind after. Um, I probably don't need the recording too much. But, you know, in hindsight, if I were to do it again, um, there's probably some time I left there on the sled pulls. Um, you know, if for me, that's probably the toughest part of the competition compared to the rest. Um, I think my time there was the worst on the sled pulls out of the 12. And, uh, you know, I attribute that to grip strength, hand size, things of that nature. Um, and instead of trying to go hand over hand, which I did in the competition, you know, I had this idea of doing these large single pulls and maybe trying to get five or six of those pulls and sure. at, a, at a few second clip that could maybe shed some seconds there. But other than that, you know, I, I think I, I went as hard as I possibly could on everything else. Well, this year you came in eighth with a total time of one minute, 13 seconds, 53 seconds. So again, a uh, 30 second improvement from your previous best that that's really nothing to sneeze at at all. How do you feel you're going to better prepare for next year? Um, and do you think that uh, there's something, you know, just besides doing sled pulls more often, uh, how do you feel you're going to prepare yourself a little better to, to even beat this year's time? Yeah, you know, I, I try to look at, at first the strengths. Um, I know I have pretty much the only part of the competition I feel I could have an advantage over the rest of the field is the sliders um, because that's the only body weight component involved. And, you know, me being the, the lightest guy in the crew, I need to make sure I maintain my advantage there um, and keep up the work there to, to be strong at that part. I think, I know we joked about it after a, a little bit, but the jelly leg condition really, really got to me uh, during the yep. during the competition. Everybody, not and just I, you. Yeah, and and I really want to work on building up, uh, you know, my leg muscles and building up the the muscles around that area to help my help with the fatigue there. Um, and you know, I'll work hard at that. I'll do some research. I'll I'll pick some of the brain, you know, pick the brains of some of the guys. Um, that we train with uh, to see what they do uh, to help fight that. Just just build up strength there to resist, you know, all the fatigue that, that set in during the competition, which, you know, cost me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's only a minute, the competition, or thereabouts, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a grueling minute because man-to-man after everyone goes, uh, you're, you're pretty shot for a, a good amount of time, if not for the rest of the yep. day. Um, and just to finish off, what is your goal for next year? Have you thought about it already? Uh, obviously, we always, like you said, want to beat our times from previous best. But uh, do you have any specific goal in mind uh, as far as the tough man or advanced training in, as a general? Yeah, you know, when I think about it and, and when I looked at sort of the splits that coach put out there, you know, I, I noticed that I was in the, you know, tied for the lead getting to the farmer from slider to farmer walk. Um, the first leg right. tied for the lead after the farmer's walk, or in my case, farmer's roll, right? From yeah. the farmer roll to the high, uh, high prowler, the first high prowler. So that's the next leg. 
and then tied for the lead after the first high prowler. So, you know, in my mind, if I could build up that, that strength and that, you know, ability to resist fatigue in, in those muscles there um, and just build that up, I think I could maintain uh, that ability to stick near the top of the crowd and, and hopefully uh, get around a minute. I'd love to shed close to 10 seconds off my time from this year. Um, next year, which would put me close to a minute, about a minute three. Uh, that would be my goal. Obviously, I'll do everything in my power to, you know, do even better. Um, but if I could, if I could have set up a pretty lofty goal in my mind, that would be it. Now, I'd be remiss if I did not bring this up. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said <laughs> we're going to finish up quick without going over this. Uh, for those that are listening that don't know, uh, the Prowler, I'm sorry, the Farmer's Walk, uh, James actually did a farmer's roll, as he explained. Now, Yep. Can you tell us about the thinking behind it? Have you practiced it before? I assume you have. Uh, and yep. do you think it benefited you? Do you think it cost you anything later in the competition? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I was on the fence about it. So, you know, just to give listeners a little background, the farmer's walk, you know, it's intended to carry by the handle that's on the bar. So you'll carry it the whole distance, um, the one way with, you know, one or two hands. Um, you could do that. Or coach gave us the option to, you could pretty much get real low to the ground where the bar is sitting. It's elevated slightly due to the weights that are on it. And you can roll that sucker to the, uh, the place you need to roll it through. Um, so I was in my mind, knowing my grip strength isn't, isn't strong. Um, and that's sort of a disadvantage for me uh, compared to the rest of the field. You know, maybe if I can roll this quick um, and pick up steam and, and try to get it as straight as possible, I could save myself a second or two there. And every, like you said, every second is precious here. Of course. And yeah, I did practice it. If you remember, I created it essentially in a challenge with Sarno last year um, where I had to get the, the farmer's walk uh, apparatus to, I think it was 20 or 30 yards and he had to carry it. But what I did was just rolled it. Um, because essentially those weights serve as wheels, um, yep. if you think about it. And so that's what I did. You know, I was on the fence, did the morning of, and really about five minutes or so before, once I saw the time Trunzo posted, I said, I need to pick up every second I possibly can here. And I said, you know what, this might be my best chance to pick up a few seconds, um, aside from just crushing the sliders. So I got behind it and I rolled it. You know, I think I did a good job rolling it as straight as possible. Oh, yeah. And fast. You know, I tried to move, pump those legs real fast. But I do think that it could have cost me some some time on the low handles of the slider, uh, of the prowler, because you do have to get low on the, on the farmer roll. Mm. And, you know, I, I think that could have cost me some, I think it could have fatigued my muscles a little more than I, than I anticipated. Um, and it probably contributed to setting in you know halfway through that prowler uh where where the jelly legs came in and it, it got real tough to push that last leg of the prowler past that line yeah, i think um, that's so in hindsight you know yeah in hindsight I, I think you know i have to toy with that and see see if i could uh improve on that yeah yeah i think that the last leg of the prowler is where you really start to to feel it I, in most mm -hmm. cases you see that on the videos you see it in person um and, and, you know, a lot of guys got to overcome that too. But James, as always, uh, I appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, I'm very proud of you. I, th I think you had a great run. I uh, look forward to working out with you in the future and, and getting better every day. 
as we always do. But thanks so much. Absolutely, Joe. Thank you. All right. I'd like to welcome in Joe Derrida. Joe, how are you, sir? How's it going, Joe? It's going pretty well, man. Pretty well. So your initial reaction, was this your first tough man? It's my first tough man. Besides right, the Thanksgiving form. thing, but that doesn't count. Right. Right. Okay. And your initial thoughts on it? I liked it. Uh, a little disappointed with how I performed, but I'll get better. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're just starting back up with us. We're more than happy to have you. I think you've added a great, and I should say brought back uh, a lot of factors to advanced training, a lot of good thinking, uh, a lot of toughness. Uh, Coach Mahoney has been raving about you since you've been back and what an addition it's been. Uh, as far as the tough man's concerned, yeah, it's sliding in this year at, n- at nine position uh, in the ranks, uh, just behind Jimmy Uske. Finished with a one twenty nine time. Uh, so get let's get into a little bit. What do you think you you did well? What do you think you could work on for next year? And how do we plan on attacking that uh, with the year in, in advance of work here? Well, now that I did the competition, uh, I feel like got <clears throat> it would be helped to be a little bit lighter. Uh, so I got to drop a little bit of weight there. That will definitely give me a little more competitive. Yeah. And then uh, as far as everything, just building on everything. Um, I mean, sliders, I never did sliders till Thanksgiving. That was the first time I ever did a slider. So uh, I've gotten better at them, and I do them on my own here and there. But I got to work on that. And uh, just building up endurance. Because by the second prowler, I was, that was it. I was gassed. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, when, uh, as I spoke with James Uske before, uh, I think that's when it, it really hits most people. The fatigue sets in right around there. Uh, the bigger guys, I think, have a, a disadvantage as far as the gas tank's concerned, uh, but they do have an advantage on certain aspects of the exercise. So so we're going to look to drop some poundage and, uh, and continue to work on certain things. Uh, what was your thoughts on the atmosphere of the tough man? I know – this again was your first one. Usually it's a one day, one, you know, everybody there at the same time. Uh, this year, due to weather, we had to kind of adjust and adapt on the fly. Uh, but what do you think? Everybody, everybody had a good time. I mean, what were your thoughts on the day of and how were you feeling? Uh, the atmosphere was awesome. I mean, I would have liked to have everybody there together. I think that would have added a better element, uh, more competitiveness, you know. But uh, I think it was very efficient how Coach ran it. And I thought overall was done excellent. I know Coach has been doing this for some time now, so I'm sure all the kinks have been worked out. But I thought it was a great atmosphere. We were in and out. There was no delaying. The setup for the drills was awesome. Overall, I really liked it. I just want to get better now. Would you change any? Would you change anything about the tough man? Do you think that we should keep the same format going forward so we can constantly test ourselves against? others with the same competition and, and even ourselves with the previous times? I, yes and no. I mean, part of it, yeah, you know, you want to con- see who continues to get better. But at the end of it, I think it has to evolve a little bit. I mean, I feel like the competition is for uh, the more endurance you have, the better you're going to do in this, which is, you know, part of it. But also, I think we should incorporate some stronger man stuff, you know, Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, we will pass this along, obviously, to Coach uh, and the listeners. will get their feedback as well. But we appreciate you hopping on here. Best of luck in the upcoming year. We look forward to seeing uh, you continue to get better and uh, post a better time next year. But I look forward to seeing you in a couple of challenges in a few days. All right. Thanks, Joe. All right, Joe. Have a great day. 
Tommy Guidite with me. Tom, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How, how are you, Mark? I'm doing well. Doing everything. I'm doing well. I uh, wanted to get everybody on, talk a little bit about the Tough Man competition. So what were your feelings on it? How do you think you did? Give me a rundown of your take on the day. You know, honestly, you know, I felt like I felt like it was a little disappointing for me because, you know, where I messed up the most, that was the uh, first part of the competition where I lost the sliders. And then it was – I didn't want to say it went all downhill from there, but I probably would have had a better time from last year if uh, I was able to, uh, what you call it, be able to gain control and have a good, uh, solid start. Yeah, this year Tommy uh, has the, well, had the fortunate or unfortunate position of being in first and starting first. Uh, started off our competition, and in the very first part of the competition, he lost not one, but both sliders. So had to go back, find at least one of them, uh, he completed that part of the contest and then continued on his way. Uh, but, all right, so we know that happened. Let's go from there. How do you think you did on the rest of the activities? The rest of the activities, uh, right after that was the, uh, what's called, the farmer, the farmer's walk. Uh, I think I didn't have that much of a problem with that. It was just, you know, recovery at that point. You know, I, I, I sped right through that. Then when I got to the sled, I had a solid start with the sled. Then on the way back, you could throw it through the uh, second push. With the uh, with the sled, and then on the way back, it's like what? Because you go there, back, and there, and back to the sled, like three times total. And I guess I really felt my legs, you know, I felt my legs getting heavy, you know, <laughs> towards that point. And then after that point, I had the uh, the chain pull, and that that's where I felt like I was slowing down the most, you know. But uh, you know, I, I, I kind of had a slow time there, and then towards the end with the sliders, I uh, I finished strong as I could. You know, but comparing comparing myself from last year, uh, I felt I felt definitely better, stronger this year. And I was actually able to like, I was actually uh, able not to fall down, and uh, to actually, you know, push myself through. Right. Yeah. I think uh, as many guys have mentioned, the everybody starts feeling it. But I think an underrated portion of our training this year was the fact that we didn't train as often as we usually do due to COVID. So right. we haven't had those that many training sessions. Uh, I think that played a part in a lot of guys' fatigue. What do you think about that? Oh, I think that played a big part. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, because everyone's uncertain what was going on and stuff, you know. And uh, it, I played a big part. I wish, you know, we were able to get some more training sessions in, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, nobody's fault on our program. Uh, so you're a college football player, uh, anxiously awaiting word to see if that's going to happen this year. What do you plan on uh, preparing differently for Tough Man next year? Let alone, obviously, while taking into consideration, hopefully, a football season. Yeah, I just uh, I plan on just playing. You know, I plan on following you know, the same procedures I always do. You know, I'm planning. You know, working out with Coach Mahoney. You know, doing a tough man with you guys next year. You know, because I'm not gonna lie. You know, it's great training. You know, because you know it's. I think pushing you know, the prowler. You know, it's one of the best. You know, exercises out there for offensive linemen. You know, of course. You know, I build build like you know because like how I explain it when you're offensive lineman in college. You know, you're, you you push a sled, you know, basically every single day, you know. Right. And I feel like when I hit the prowler, it's like, I feel like, like I'm hitting the five-minute sled, you know. And I feel like, it, you know, it prepares me well for college ball, you know. It helps with explosiveness, all things like that. And what kind of things do you think you need to work on for the tough man? What are you going to be doing in I the next year to I, get ready? I think, uh, I, think core, I think core work uh, has to be, uh, you know, a bigger thing for me. You know, I focus more on, you know, bench pressing, you know. I would focus more on the weight stuff. I do core here and there, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, you get my core strength up, you know, for the sliders. You know, that's definitely, you know, a big consideration. Um, 
I feel like, you know, I had to work on my you know, overall stamina too, you know. But uh, other than that, I feel those are two big things I got to work on to get better. All right. Yo. Joey Joe, and now I have the Joe Sarno. Joseph, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for hopping on. So, Joe, you came into this year as, I believe, back-to-back defending tough man champions, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. Yes. 2018-2019. Yeah. And I thought, for, for my money, the odds-on favorite. Uh, a lot of good competition out there, obviously, but you can't go against the two-time back-to-back champ. So, uh, how did you feel? Let's let's talk about leading up to the tough man. How'd you feel about all the training sessions? Uh, obviously, COVID impacting a lot of that, uh, but obviously you keep at it on your own, and and you have your own gig going on as well. So, talk to me about leading up to it. How you felt? Uh, yeah. So leading up to it, um, the big thing about me with coaches' workouts is I get the chance to work on my transitions, which is where I really really struggle. And as we saw in this year's um, this year's competitions, where I lost a lot of time in. So. Um, definitely not having coaches workouts was a big miss for me personally in that department. But I mean, I was still getting to work in. It's no excuse. I should have been ready. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been a little bit busy on my own, starting up my own business, starting up my own training thing, had strong fitness SI and yeah, but that's it. <laughs> well, that's, that mentality is what makes you, you now, as far as tough man day, I know you, you went on the second day, obviously we had to split up the staff, uh, based on. Uh, the weather uh, obviously pushed us off from Friday to Saturday, Monday. So uh, field conditions wound up being pretty much identical. Um, so I want to get into your run now. Uh, looking at the splits, obviously you came in second place to Joe Tronzo barely uh, by six tenths of a second. You did beat your time from last year. Uh, yeah, I did. I did by a little bit. Um, but I still, obviously, if you watch tape, if you were there, you know that I left some time on the table, which is obviously in, um, in the sled pole. And there's a lot of other places where I looked at the tape and, you know, I saw maybe my low handles a little bit slower. Just doing my form was, was really just pretty much crap. Uh, I was standing pretty much straight up. I wasn't, um, I wasn't pushing, I wasn't pushing forward. I was pushing more down. So if you, uh, actually Joe Tronzo sent me a side-by-side, he's good with those, um, off of my video and his, and I had him, I was leading the whole way until I got to the, um, into the low handle and that's where he actually caught up. He must've caught up at least two seconds on the low handle. Now, do you think you had any fatigue? Did you feel that going through it? Was that not an issue for you? Um, I don't think I really had fatigue. I think last year, to be honest with you, last year I had uh, less fatigue, especially on the prowler and, and going into the competition, my biggest, I wouldn't say fear, but the biggest thing I was worried about was going to be the prowler just because, you know, it's something that, you do have to practice to get good at, and we just simply haven't. And, you know, I have a, I have a sled on my own, but nothing moves the same way. Nothing uh, – you don't get used to the turns and all that stuff. So, but I, I would say maybe if we're going to book it out of 10, probably say like 7 out of 10 fatigue-wise. Got it. Now, you as a coach, obviously you're coaching other people all the time. You're looking at tape of yourself now. What are you going to be working on for the next year in order to get that tough man title back? Man, I'm going to try to perfect that sled pull, that ending of the sled pull. That's my my, uh, my best one. Sorry about this. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to perfect that sled pull just so I can get it you know, to my feet. Either I got to fucking kick it, whatever it is. Damn it, I hate coaching on Curtis, uh, <laughs> Curtis on our coach's podcast, but he'll survive. Um, 
But yeah, you know, that's, that's it. And just clean up those transitions. Like I said before, because, you know, if I can get the transitions like Joe Tronzo, where he's, uh, you know, letting go and this thing is sliding perfectly just past the white line. And then he's getting into it and getting right after it. You know, uh, I think the sky's pretty much the limit. Right on, right on. Now, did you change the way you were training at all this year leading up to this talk, man? And do you anticipate changing any of the way you're training going into next year? Um, so I, I'm pretty lucky. Like I have a good setup at home where, you know, I've had stuff. I have old weights that my dad and I've been using for a long, uh, for a long, long time. And so when the gym shut down, we, uh, we made the most of it. So we turned our garage into a little home gym. Um, and the only thing that I would say that is a little bit different for me is that, you know, since starting my business and, and in no way whatsoever, am I making this an excuse um, I have to do a job, better job of t- uh, planning time better around it and being able to focus on myself just as much as my, uh, my clients. But, um, you know, I just really, I wasn't lifting as much as, as hard as at least I should have been, you know, I was getting maybe, maybe two, uh, two to three lifts in a week with, um, that includes running. So maybe two lifts, one running session in, and, you know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the same vibe this year especially with, you know, how sporadic the workouts have been, you know, you know, just as well as me. Same guys that you've been training with. I said it in a group chat with us before that you've been training with in the dark in September on 5am, you know, you can't even feel your hands on a December morning as the same guy stick through the whole time until an August tough man, you know, it's a different vibe. So uh, I think the atmosphere is, was definitely a little bit different, definitely a little lacking this year just right. because of it. Um, but, yeah, uh, my, uh, that's on me. I got to take care of it. I got to, you know, focus on myself just as much as I right on, on Joe. Well, like I said, it's always good talking to you. Uh, I know you're going to be fueled for next year, as always. Uh, we still have the challenges to go. I'm trying to fend you off from taking that from me for this year. So I look forward to getting back at it real soon, brother. <laughs> Awesome. Look Take forward to taking that from you. Let's see it. We'll see what happens on the field. <laughs> Good luck with everything. I'll see you soon. <laughs> All right. This podcast is brought to you by MicroSky, your one-stop shop for IT and computer services. Now, I've been a customer of these guys for years, and here's why. They make things easy. My computer had died. They came, picked up my computer, recovered all my data, and then set me up with a new computer in three days. Fully loaded, I just press the on button and I'm ready to go. Made my life super, super easy. Now, they don't only specialize in computer repair. They also specialize in cloud backup, data recovery, cybersecurity, and IT support plans. Do not be like me. Do not wait until your computer dies to get in touch with these guys. Visit microskyms.com slash contact. Microsky, that's S-K-Y-M-S dot com slash contact. If you want a free month of cloud backup, Make sure you put AT2020 in the referred by field in the contact form. Again, that's AT2020. Do not wait like I did. Contact them today.